0: Hey everyone, it's me. I know you were expecting the regular cool theme song and my usual podcast intro, but I wanted to take a moment to talk about our world right now. The spread of COVID-19 has a lot of people scared, frustrated, and confused. And in the past two weeks, we've seen businesses close and stores run dry. We've even seen countries start to close their borders. While I know we are all hoping for the best, We can't help but feel haunted by everything that we don't know. My time with CIA taught me how to help others. And as things get worse, help is all the more important. So I am hosting a free live online webinar this Thursday, March 26th, at 12 p.m. Eastern Time to talk about coronavirus solutions. I want to cover key facts that media and governments aren't talking about and give you tools to keep yourself and loved ones healthy. My goal is to share some of the techniques that field operators use to take control when there is chaos all around us. Community is critical right now. So sign up to join me this Thursday by visiting everydayspy.com forward slash coronavirus. One more time, that's everydayspy.com forward slash coronavirus. Go ahead, hit pause, sign up now, and I promise that the theme song and the intro will be ready for you when you get back. Godspeed, Everyday Spy. My name is Andrew Bustamante, and this is Everyday Espionage. exploring the ground truth of espionage through a few different voices this season. First, I introduced you to my friend Edie Jackal, a former deep cover CIA officer with a long history living what he calls his vocation, his calling. Then we sat with Edie Viper, a career military officer and covert DIA operations officer. Viper talked about priorities and resources and the way he uses his espionage skills to build his network and beat his business competition. Now, I want to introduce you to a new voice, someone with a very different type of story than Jackal or Viper. A voice with an accent and an attitude that inspired and executed countless capture kill missions across the Middle East. I hope you enjoy learning more from the best. And with that, I want to introduce you to E.D. Savage. I'm really excited to be sitting here with you It's not often that I get a chance to sit with an intel peer in general, and it's especially exciting for me when I get to sit with one from a foreign country. So a couple of ground rules that I want to lay here. We're not going to talk about your real name. We're not going to talk about your family names, where you went to school, anything specific, the businesses that you run. We won't talk about them by name because we want to protect your identity. Whenever we talk about you, we will talk about you as the crypt, Everyday Savage, ED Savage. So I hope you don't mind. I honestly think you're a total badass. Is that fair?
1: I'm feeling like a beast right (laughs) now.
0: So, sure. For everyone listening in, ED Savage is a career intelligence officer from the Australian Army. So when you hear her speak, you will hear uh, common words, terminology that is Australian in nature. It will be confusing. We've been friends for going on a year, and I'm still asking you to translate your own English into American English, so I understand what you're saying. Yeah. So if I hear something that's totally off the wall, I may ask you to translate that into normal speak. Okay. (laughs)
1: That sounds
0: fair. (laughs) Freedom speak, if you will. Yes. And we'll go from there. Cool. Just before we sat down, we were talking about what it's like to be a single female dating in today's world. And I, I want to hear your thoughts on that, because what people listening in don't realize is that you are beautiful, you are intelligent, you are extremely successful, and you are single. So what is it like to basically be like this powerhouse but then also have to manage dating in today's world?
1: Yeah, and that's actually a tough question and it's really hard to put into play in in reality as well. So obviously the way that the dating game has changed, it's moved very much online, which I hate. Because I'm all about people, so I'm very much a rapport builder, and I like to meet people in person. And I think now you do everything online, even your tone and everything can be skewed or misrepresented and interpreted as well. So all someone has to do now is look at a picture, and if they don't like that picture...
0: Swipe left, swipe right, right? Swipe left,
1: swipe right, but probably left, which is no, right?
0: Oh, left no? I don't know. (laughs) That's how old I am.
1: (laughs) Or they'll start a conversation with you. And I guess, and even if your opening line isn't quite what they wanted or they're not in the mood, and it's the same for you, someone will reach out to you and if you're not in the mood,
0: Mm. then
1: that, I guess, contact just goes and then...
0: They just fall off.
1: It falls off, yeah. And then you don't have that option. So a lot of my friends say to me as well, because I've got a lot of single friends as well, I think that's more because they've been in relationships and now they're single again, but you do have to have thick skin to be in the dating game in this kind of day and age.
0: Now you, in addition to trying to find your way through the romance of dating, you're also building a business, running a business, competing in various types of physical activities, uh, whether they be obstacle courses or whether they be uh, CrossFit competitions. How do you decide who gets your attention and who doesn't?
1: I think the biggest issue is finding time to meet with somebody because I don't have the time. I'm never in the country in any country for long enough at the moment, this year in particular. You know, I'll have four weeks back home in Australia or I'll be nine weeks over here or I'm going to America for conferences and um, things as well. And I think next year on the cards is looking very much like that. So it's it's really me thinking about what's important to me and I'm a big believer of setting goals mm. and I push push hard to become the best version of myself because I want more. I think there's there's heaps of opportunity and I'm always... I'm a bit of a, I'm that kind of person that always wants more. So I'm striving to be better or to improve something. Um, So it's really making a decision of, do I want that in my life? And everyone says, oh, you know, it'll happen when it happens. When you're not looking for it, it's going to happen. I'm like, well, I'm not looking and it's not happening. (laughs) So how do I get better at this? Um, So it's, it's just really deciding. And I have tried it out this year. And, you know, I thought, oh, I had a day where I did nothing all day. It's just me and the dog. (laughs) And I'm like, my goodness, I need to change. Like, I have to get out, and I've got to do something. So I did, and I I gave it a crack, but they weren't right for me.
0: So you were saying that you are the kind of person who always wants more. Yes. I am am just like that, which is probably why we get along. But that has caused me all sorts of issues. There are people that I run into who, when I try to explain to them what I think is absolutely sound logic, I want more. Yes, I'm happy with what I have, but I have it, so I want more. Mm-hmm. And I want to learn more. I want to grow more. I want to challenge myself more. I don't ever want to just stop and sit on the couch for a day mm-hmm. to recover. That's one thing. But to just stop learning or stop growing or stop wanting more, stop wanting to achieve more, that doesn't make any sense to me. But there, there is a very real narrative out there trying to tell people to live in the moment, accept what you have find your happiness and what there is and I just don't do you also run into that or am I am I misinterpreting
1: and I actually think that's okay for some people it's just there's a, a group of us that that's not enough for so people are happy once they reach whatever their perfect day is for their time and I think that changes for people whether they acknowledge that or they can actually see that themselves like what you consider to be how you want to live now versus maybe in 3 years time is going to be completely different because it's going to you know depend on the age of the kids the location what job you're currently in you know have you paid off your house or you're buying a house or you know are you wanting more holidays what do you want at this point in your life and that changes for people and it should as we evolve but also society changes around us as well and the demands of that so i think it's okay to have and be happy with what you've got but i don't think that'll be forever it will change
0: i also like that what you're saying is is that there's no reason for high achieving people to begrudge people who are satisfied with what they have. But likewise, high achieving people also don't need to be criticizing themselves Mm -hmm. about being high achieving people. Mm -hmm. We are the ones most susceptible to sitting around pointing fingers at ourselves. Why can't I just be happy with what I have? Why can't I just be satisfied? Why can't I be like so and so who's got this and that and the other thing, right? Mm -hmm. And it sounds like what you're saying is, it's okay that some people are like that, but for the, there is a group of us that aren't like that, mm-hmm. and we won't be like that. And no matter how much we evolve, that evolution is always going to bring about a demand and interest in more. Mm-hmm. And that's the way it is.
1: It's funny, because while I'm here, I sometimes work a 16, 17 hour day, and I will work generally seven days a week, not for 16 or 17 hours, but I do have a high capacity for workload here. But I also have a high capacity for recovering quite fast yeah. so for me I might just you know get one night away or you know a day on the beach chilling out and just whatever it is that makes me happy reading a book listening to a podcast whatever that might be but being on the water and then I feel like I've um, I'm revitalized and I'm good to go for another week everything's, or so, everything's
0: concentrated
1: and people say I've got a few people saying at the moment like, I don't know how you manage to do this much I'm like but it's okay because my goal is to whatever that may be and that's what I'm chasing right now right. so I I thrive off that and that's what keeps me going every day and I don't I don't feel guilty for working hard or I don't feel guilty for missing out on a dinner with people because I'm I'm on a mission
0: yeah absolutely so to
1: speak <laughs>
0: the mission the mission changes yeah? but being on a mission never changes yeah you talked about evolution so I want to go back I want to take us back to when you were operating in the field forward deployed into a war zone working with the joint operation team. How different was that person, that human collector, that terrorist hunter? How different were you then than the way you are now?
1: It's interesting. If we talk army days, army set the scene, gave me values, and I guess it created a like a foundation of, of me as a person. But I really feel like once I got out of the army, Life started for me because that's when I had the opportunity to make my own decisions as to what's my next job. For me, it was private security industry in the Middle East. Um, and I feel like, although I loved my time in the Army, and I'm very proud of that and what I achieved during then, for me, I evolved as a person once I stepped out and had that opportunity to make my own decisions. And where people relied on you in a different capacity. So,
0: uh, Tell me more about that because I feel exactly the same way. I, I was Air Force to start. Air Force was a natural segue into CIA. Mm -hmm. And then leaving CIA was kind of the big... For me, that was the big plunge, the big jump off the edge of the diving board to find out, you know, have I reached my peak or is my peak still ahead of me? And I believed that my peak was still ahead. I believed I had much more to give than what the agency was interested in, in applying me to do. But I know exactly what you're talking about where you feel like once you are outside of government service, even though all the sexiness seems to be you know, when you have the full force of the US military or the US government, the Australian government behind you, getting out was really where I felt just totally free, free to really reach and push myself to new levels.
1: You know, something I say to my mentees right now in business is that you've got to have your staff, but also your members or clientele, they have to have the same values as you. So for me, my values and vision no longer aligned with the Australian Army and what they wanted my pathway to look like or what they wanted me to do. And I felt it, and I felt it strong, and I was unhappy. Mm. And that was the sign for me to go, you need to move on. And Dad was like, don't. It's the wrong time. GFC's hit. You won't find another job as good. Rah, rah, rah. And I did. I fell on my feet within three months, and then I was off to Iraq. So.
0: With private security in Iraq.
1: Yeah. And then I loved that. I loved my jobs over there that 's one of my the highlights of my career so far so.
0: it 's interesting the, the difference between the movies and real life is that real life is actually directed. Everything we do in the field is directed by a set of priorities that are not our priorities they're national security priorities, and those national security priorities are set by the people who are elected into office in the u s and in Australia. Mm. When you think about it that way, that means that you've got all of these field operators, all of these soldiers, all of these dedicated government employees who have committed to keeping America safe, keeping Australia safe, working to keep freedom alive, right? And whatever reason it was that inspired us to join, the actual execution of what we do is dictated by these national security priorities that can change for silly reasons. They can change for political reasons, they can change for image reasons, they can change for any number of reasons. And I, just like you were saying with the Australian Army, when their goals and vision no longer align with your goals and vision, that happens more than people realize. And there's a very real time in our careers where we have to decide, okay, this is a divergent path from why I joined. Mm -hmm. Do I stay in, like your dad was recommending for you, stay in, it's only gonna be a temporary phase, maybe three years, maybe five years, and then you'll be back aligned again or do I get out? And it's a huge step to get out, but there are so many people who make the sacrifice and stay in. I have a number of friends who are still serving with CIA, who are still serving with the U.S. military, and don't agree with the priorities that they're pursuing. But they are, they are staying in, either in the hopes that things will change, or because they have gotten to a place in their life where change is not feasible to them or the risk is too great.
1: I think the organizations too, that we've previously worked for are safe Mm. in the sense of it's job security. And so when we talk about different people, for me, I didn't need job security, even though I had a massive mortgage. (laughs) I wanted to feel like I was doing something more substantial, I guess with my life. And when you're in an industry like the military or a government organisation, you do so much training. I've done quite a fair bit of training over the years and when you're no longer going, I guess, or deploying to actually carry out your tradecraft, then I'm sitting back in Australia thinking, well, what am I doing? What am I doing? (laughs) The whole reason I'm here is to actually be doing my tradecraft and making a difference. While I'm sitting back here, I don't feel like I'm doing it. So for me, that's when I got out and I did move over to Italy, and then got to practice my tradecraft
0: every day. Edie Savage is the picture of high achievement. She travels the world, building her own business and helping other people achieve impossible goals. She is relentless in her pursuit of self-improvement, but accepts that not all people are like her. And rather than judge them or feel frustrated by them, she somehow learns to accept them. Edie Savage said that espionage is about people and on the journey to grow and develop, we need to find those people who share our values and our vision. To achieve what we are capable of achieving, sometimes we have to leave behind everything that we thought we knew. I left CIA so that I could pursue more. Edie Savage did something similar. And on the other side of what we left, we found what we were looking for. A new and different challenge and we found a group of people ready to explore what might be possible if we work together. That is Everyday Espionage. Everyday Espionage is dedicated to one thing, educating everyday people. I know that not everyone will listen, but those who listen will learn. If you learned something new today, click subscribe, review, and share the podcast with a friend. Find me on social media at Everyday Spy or on my website, everydayspy.com. If you are up for a special challenge, visit everydayspy.com forward slash operations and join me for an authentic spy training mission. And above all else, remember that knowledge is freedom.